Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Situational Awareness Tactics Podcast. This podcast provides the crucial art of understanding current elements in an environment to increase your safety and survival. Here's your host, forensic psychologist and consultant, Dr. Carlos. Today's topic we're going to be looking at is the Good Samaritan Law. This is something I've been thinking about for a while, and I wondered. We've seen some of the videos where the individuals go out and help other people, and it's great. But sometimes there are negative repercussions. There are risks, like everything in life. So I wanted to do this podcast talking a little bit about the Good Samaritan Law and what it means. Of course, everyone wants to be a hero, right? Do you want to come in the last moment saving the helpless child from a burning building or somebody who's being robbed? Yeah, that was me. I did it. Something of that nature to get that key to the city for the bravery or just do it out of being a good human being right? You're doing it because that's the right thing to do. Maybe you have military experience. Maybe you have law enforcement experience. Maybe you don't. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Each state has its own version of the Good Samaritan Law, also known as the Duty to Rescue or Volunteer Protection Laws. And we'll look at a couple of cases briefly about it. They usually apply to those providing medical assistance, like the classic example of an off-duty doctor stopping on the side of a road to help a car crash victim or somebody who's choking. But that's a little different from what I want to talk about. I'm looking more at the criminality aspect of it. See, the important part to remember about being a good Samaritan is that the laws won't always protect you if your actions were reckless or careless in any way. You can still be sued for civil or criminal damages if your help actually made the situation worse or injured the person further, which we have seen cases, and we'll talk about actual events. This would fall under tort or criminal law, depending on how severe the actions were. The duty to rescue, generally speaking, is not legal. There's no legal, there's legally no duty to rescue another person. Now, certain laws vary according to state, but this is the duty to rescue. The courts have gone into very gory details in order to explain this. In the Buck versus Amory Manufacturing Company case, that's B-U-C-H, the defendant had no obligation to save a child from crushing his hand in a manufacturing machine. The court suggested an analogy in which a baby was on the train tracks did a person standing, standing idly by have the obligation to save him? The court said no. Even though he would be a ruthless savage and a moral monster, but legally he did not have to save that baby. An interesting and solid case to the contrary, though, is Soldano versus O'Daniels, where the Court of Appeals in California bucked conventions stated that an employee did have a duty to help. In that case, a good Samaritan requested that a store employee use the phone to call the police as a person was being threatened in a bar across the street. 
The employee denied the use of the phone to the Good Samaritan and refused to place the call himself. The person ended up dying. And the court said enough is enough. This person would not have died if that call had been placed. And someone has to take responsibility. They felt it was time to re-examine the traditional relationship of responsibility. However, there is no duty to rescue. So Donna is in a unique quirk in the legal system that has not overcome the four categories of duties. Let's take a look at those. You see, when someone's in peril or injured or somehow incapacitated, the reasonable assistance would need to be provided and, fail, and failing to come to the rescue of these parties would be grounds for liability according to four or three categories, really. In this aspect, the defendant created the peril. If it was the person's own negligence that created the situation, then he'd better figure a way out of it and get the plaintiff out of it too. So these are the legal categories of duty. There's a special relationship, parent-child relationship, student-teacher relationship, inmate or correctional officer. If one has a special relationship with the other, then they are responsible for the other as well. And third, they undertook an action. As we said in the beginning, let's say someone was drowning way out at sea. You decide to run out and be a hero, desperately swimming to meet your flailing friend. The other people on shore look at your limbs and think, well, wow, okay, he's got this. They decide not to intervene. Halfway to your friend, your side cramps, and you realize with a sinking feeling that you can't make it. You can't do it. Your friend drowns, and nobody else helped because they thought you had control. Once a person begins a rescue, they have an obligation to finish it. If you fail to render aid, well, that's on you. Once a person begins a rescue again, they have an obligation to finish it. See, in Jones versus United States, the United States Court of Appeals for the D.C., Area discussed at least four categories of criminal liability in relationship to a case in which a baby died because of neglect. A four statute categories are a statute imposes a duty to care for another, one stands in a certain relationship status, one has assumed a contractual duty, and one has voluntarily assumed the care of another. So you can see how complicated it gets because the court also discussed the theory of omission where the absence of an act here neglecting to take care of a baby resulted in someone's death, which is chargeable with manslaughter. So it's a very difficult balance, but it really depends on the relationship you have. The thing that really made me think about this was the be careful when you help concept. Sometimes you would desperately want to help. And of course, that's a good thing and it's admirable. And that is the right reaction to have in my mind. But what happens if there's a baby ducklings on the highway that are about to be run over? You'll have to make a choice. Let them be run over or get out of your car and save them. However, you might end up causing an accident yourself or put yourself in danger. If you come across an accident, you don't have to pretend to be a hero if you're not ready to be one. See, this goes to my other point. If you don't know what to do don't assume responsibility you don't want to help someone if you don't know how to help them because then you get yourself into a bigger bind you see the problems i was mentioning earlier is that if you don't know what you're doing or aren't equipped or trained to handle certain situations you have to be careful You don't, first of all, you don't want to inflict unnecessary harm or disproportionate harm on the suspect unless it is done in self-defense. Even then, the retaliation to a provocation should be done in proportionality, proportionality, so you don't face a legal case against you. For instance, if a person throws a punch 
and you grab a hammer and hit them over the head, that's disproportionate. Also, if an individual wants to help but is unsure if he's able to overpower the suspected criminal, what they really should do is trail the suspect. Make sure you get an accurate description and trail them in a safe distance. It is really advisable not to put yourself in harm's way. This is, again, for somebody who's not trained. While under the law, you have the power to make a citizen's arrest, at the end of the day, you're not trained to make the arrest. And it's better to do what you can within your own limitations. You see, the Good Samaritan is very general. It's just stepping up to help. It isn't defined by the fact that you must accomplish or complete something. If you know something is beyond you, just alerting the authorities is good work. But in my opinion, also being able to get a detailed description, understanding what happened in the scenario, understanding who the perpetrator is and what they did, making sure that you can at least try to make sure at least you know where they're going, trying to follow them in a safe distance if you're capable of it. So you can give as much information to law enforcement to help you out in this situation. In a recent case around, oh, I don't know, I'd say about three months ago, there was a good Samaritan who was shot and killed chasing a suspect. A father, two young boys, had was shot and killed when he acted as a good Samaritan and tried to save a woman who had a gun pulled on her in a mall parking lot, but ended up being shot himself. This happened at Deerbrook Mall in Texas when officers were alerted to a disturbance in the mall's parking lot of a man reportedly pulling a gun on a woman he was with. When officers responded, however, the suspect began to ran, and Brian Marksbury, who was with his wife and witnessed the altercation, decided he couldn't stand by. Somebody's got to get this guy, he says, and somebody's got to get him. That's exactly what he tried. Marksbury said Marksbury to his wife before he tried to intervene, according to one of Marksbury's family's members when speaking with ABC News. The suspect allegedly took off on foot. Marksbury began chasing him in an effort to aid the police. But when Marksbury caught up with the suspect, the man fired on him and hit the father of two. Officers then began firing on the suspect who had just shot Marksbury, striking him as well. Marks Berry was immediately transported to Kingwood Hospital where both he and the man who shot him later died from the injuries they suffered in the shootout. So now what you have is two children who have lost their dad and a woman who lost her husband. They were three and eight years of age. Did he do the right thing? Somewhat. He was definitely chivalrous, but there was no need for him to chase this person. The threat to the woman was obviously over at the time because he was already running away and i'm not judging or criticizing what he did but i'm saying here's you have to understand where you're at in the situation and uh, it's a tragic tragic case but again the threat was over the suspect was running away so at this point marksbury could have followed him tailed him at a safe safe distance to help police locate him but catching up to the suspect was a problem. Now, if he noticed that the suspect was incensed and angered by him following him and started to go back, then Marksbury should have gone out of Dodge. Because again, you're not trained for it, obviously not armed for it. So this is a very bad news situation. We have to understand that perpetrators, they all differ. Some are scared, some are mentally dis have mental disorders, psychopathologies. So they're delusional, they could be psychotic. 
Some could be on substance use, all the above. So you really don't know what situation you're handling, what kind of perpetrator you're, you're encountering. You really don't know. So again, I just want to make sure folks understand this. I'm not criticizing Mark Sperry on his bravery. What I'm saying is we have to be careful on what we choose to jump into. Because in this case, it was a tragic loss of a father. Either way, these are tough calls, but I guess the bottom line for this point, make sure you're trained properly to handle the situation you're trying to handle. If there's somebody in immediate danger, try to talk them down. Try to de-escalate. First thing is call 911 immediately. As fast as you can, get somebody to call them. If somebody's with you or you yourself, call 911 immediately. Get them involved as fast as they can. Response times vary in cities. So personally, again, for situational awareness, learn the response times in your cities or wherever you're at. A lot of times you can find that information. A lot of cities are between three to seven minutes. That's a, I know it's an eternity, but sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes there's a cop right down the street. It could be less than 30 seconds. But the bottom line is you want to get them involved as fast as you can in a situation. So if you see somebody who's struggling, somebody who might be in danger, immediately call 911. Take a picture if you can, hopefully discreetly so that person doesn't get wind of it. Get that the picture taken, get a description immediately in your head, and then see if you can de-escalate in a safe way. Now, if they have a gun, you got to be careful because they, obviously they can reach at a further range. So in this case, I would, again, take a picture, the call on 911. Now, if you can do a surprise blitz attack, that could be a different story. If they don't see you from behind, maybe that's a case that can help you. But you also have to be careful because I've seen cases where the individual has a gun on another person, somebody comes to help them, and when they attack the individual, the individual ends up shooting somebody. This happened uh, last year where a good Samaritan was trying to get involved and ended up happening is the person who, the perpetrator, ended up firing by accident and killing one of the people that he was having an argument with. And this was a really tricky case. I don't know where it ended up, but you know, you have somebody who was getting involved that wasn't originally involved, but due to their actions led to an accidental gunfire or discharge. So when a gun's involved with a criminal activity, I really be you really have to make sure you understand that situation fully. If you're if you're proper if you're not properly uh, trained, call the cops. Call the cops, take pictures, do whatever you can in a safe place. Get your family out of there if they're with your family. You don't want anything to do with that. Get them out of there. Now, if you are trained, it's a whole different ballgame. I'm not going to go into that because you're trained. So you can figure out what you can do or can't do as limitations. So if you're in the military, law enforcement, special forces, whatever, you guys have the, the know-how. Now, if it's a knife, you have a whole different situation again. A knife, a lot of damage can be done to them and to you really quickly. So again, 911, phone call. Um, now the knife you can do other things in other words you can do a surprise blitz attack if you're able to do it with that individual because in most cases a surprise blitz attack will obviously have a, a misfire from the gun so you can avoid that possibility and possibly drop that knife right smacking them with a stick a really thick stick or a pipe or something whatever you have access to maybe you have something in your car and you can smack that knife out of their hand without them knowing about it 
without getting in confrontation or leading into a hostage situation, which is another thing you have to be careful with. And this is not mass shooters. This is a whole different ball game. With mass shooters, maybe we'll do a special one on that, how you would deal with mass shooters. It's a very different game there because it depends on what the situation you're in. Can you get around them? Can you surprise them? Uh, blitz attack if you're trained to do it. So again, if you're not trained, if you don't think you can handle or overwhelm the suspect, if you're in a bad situation, best thing again, be an eyewitness. Get that picture if you can from your cell phone. People take them all the time. Get a picture of the, of the perpetrator. Contact 911 immediately. Watch from a distance. Get as much information as you can. Uh, if you see it's getting close to a violent attack, maybe distract, make a lot of noise, see if that person will stall. Because the cops will get there in about three to six minutes. That's it for now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.